This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Our show in which we're joined by one of the weird and wonderful people within the Arsenal family. And today I'm very happy to be joined by James B from AFTV. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Do you know what? Weird and wonderful is never more appropriate than today. The tactical <laughs> insight just came out and there's, I did it on my own without Graham. And don't worry, when you do yeah. content on your own as opposed to with someone, um, you tend to like notice yourself more if that makes sense or someone else can't jump mm. in and cover your mistakes. So it took about six takes just to start the intro <laughs> and they cut that all nicely into a nice little, uh, what's it called? A nice little show reel for the start. So if you want to see some weird and wonderful things, that's where you're going to see it from me today, but um, oh, I'm good. No and yeah. I'm very, very happy to be back, man. Thanks for inviting me on. No, of course, pleasure. It's been a little while, uh, so I thought we should have a catch-up and uh, have our first chat of the season, uh, actually, because obviously we didn't... I don't think we've spoken this season yet on the channel, and uh, I know you you joined me for a few shows last season, which which nearly ended in in the perfect fashion. It came very, very close. Um, Mm. Yeah, I find doing live shows is the way in which you get your errors out, because if you have an error, you just got to push through. you just got to keep going. And yeah. my goodness me, do I make errors? So you know, you just, <laughs> you just have to keep going. I mean, I play different intros. This is like I'll play like the wrong show intro for like the entire, and then not even realize I've got the yeah. wrong background until like ten minutes in, and I'm like, well, you know, it's done now. So <laughs> you just have to roll with it. That's the beauty of live. Is actually, it's very, it's very raw. Probably a great mm. way for your community to just get to know. You know, oh, there mm. you go. Uh, yes. The edit button can cover a lot. Can, the edit button can make me look a lot better than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yes, they get the raw, unedited, horrific package that is me. Yeah, every single day. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if you've been no- like noticing. Have you been seeing like listeners sending their Spotify Wrapped um, of the year? Um, I find that some people have sent in things. I saw a, a great tweet today uh, from one of our listeners called James. He said he's listened to ten thousand plus minutes of tgt i'm like that wow my wife's not listened to ten thousand plus minutes of me this year like <laughs> there's no just way. In life, just in general does it make you realize though how much content you actually make throughout the year it's kind of ridiculous well, well first i mean a massive congrats to you because that's a phenomenal 
Well, thanks, Actually, man. that's one person, 10,000 hours and, and, and you know, the audience that... Minutes, I should say. Did in... I say hours? I meant minutes. Minutes. 10,000 hours would be... Maybe you, maybe you said minutes and I heard hours. Okay. Whatever it is, it's still, <laughs> it's still incredible. Um, I, I think, you know, um, I had like a little like scroll through just content that I've done over the last year. Don't ask me why. I just want to keep a log of it. Just and, really narcissistic. Yeah. I yeah. I just really just, <laughs> I, I just scrolling through going, oh my God, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> no, but I was None of these have been like, edited at all. <laughs> like, yeah. I was thinking like, wow, so much happens in the Arsenal world. Like mm. so much happens. Um, the whole, did we bottle it conversation was mm. about, was probably about 25 big Arsenal topics ago, you know, and I consider mm. signing Rice, signing Havertz. Those are big topical conversations that generate a lot of discussion in the Arsenal fan base. And, you know, everything from when, you know, Trossard first signed and, you know, he was sort of, you know, moved into the false nine over in Ketty. And you kind of look back and you go, that feels really fresh. That doesn't feel like that long ago we were talking about all this. Um, so, yeah, but this is, I don't know if there is a club as... Maybe Man United, but I don't know if there's a club mm. that generates so much conversation. Like, really, I don't. It's, it's, uh, I think very... we also have the craziest fan base, which helps. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> you know. we are all weird and wonderful, actually. Mm. But it's, um, yeah, like, jet, like Arsenal, there's always a lot. Like, I mean, your 65 million pound signing can have a good game and there's a discussion around it. And, like, and I, by the way, I understand that I'm, mm. I'm having that discussion, um, but it's it's just like I don't know. There's something about um, something about Arsenal, but I imagine you've had a little bit of a I don't know, kind of end of the year kind of look back at or just sort of a little thing, yeah, just yeah, taking it all in a little bit. Yeah, and people often send me like they'll say they'll send me like something I said like six months ago and think, do you still think this now? And I'm like, no, because it was six months ago, you know, and a lot has happened. You know, yeah. football can change in a week, in a day, in an hour. You know, it can change football because it's such a mad sport. So yeah. an opinion I might have held at the end of last season, I may not hold now. And I think what we often fall into the trap of is that we hold people to their opinions, no matter how long ago they said them. And there's mm -hmm. very little in regards to kind of leeway around changing your mind on, on topic. Mm -hmm. um, we might even discuss some of that. Today, because yeah. obviously the theme of the show, based off of yesterday, is is Kai Havertz, um, of which I think that there's potential for a lot of people to have their views change over the course of this season, because it obviously didn't start off in the best of, of manners. And are, how were you, I suppose we should probably start at the beginning is probably the best way. How did you react to the, the signing, the link, and, and then it being completed? And what were your reactions to it? Um, this was very much a heart and head thing because, um, I think I felt deep down, I wasn't excited about this. I didn't understand the 65 million going on a player who I wasn't really sure what he was about. Even when he did have his better moments at Chelsea, I didn't really understand what we were getting. And and then all the videos, all the breakdowns, everyone did. We all did. I did one. You did one. Everyone did one. Tifo, whoever, they all did breakdowns. And we all sort of had different ideas of what Havertz could be. And that's never a good thing in just the sense. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it is, yeah. maybe it is in the element of surprise, but also not in a, if you're spending 65 million, don't you want a bit of clarity? Like hasn't Declan Rice been, maybe he's been a level above what he expected, but he has mm. been exactly what we thought he would be as a player in this squad. Yeah, more. Um, 
And then there are other players that were moving for less money that I thought we could do with any of them. Um, but my heart, my, sorry, my heart was like, mm, but my head was thinking, let me listen to the experts. And what I mean by the experts, well, Mikel Arteta is one of them. Mm. So he wants him for a reason. I, thought I, you were say, I chucked on the Guna talk and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, oh, Tom sold it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, but I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't ignore, and I still can't to today. I, and I said this a week ago on Forever Arsenal. This was when he still wasn't looking that good for him. I said, well, Bayern Munich wanted him. Like Thomas Tuchel, who's raved about as a manager, wanted him. Real Madrid and Carlo Ancelotti, who have the highest of standards as a club, wanted him. Mm. He starts for the German national team, albeit a left back right now. Yeah. Chelsea signed him. You know, £65 million we spent. Gary Neville on the overlap saying he believes there's a talented player there. I thought all these people who know football are telling me to take this signing seriously. So I've always kept an open mind. But my initial my initial reaction was, I'm really not sure about this one. Yeah, I I said from day dot that this is a huge risk um, yeah. for Arsenal to take because I always felt as though with Arsenal having been where they were at the end of last season... Yeah, very close to a potential title, but still aside, very much on the up and rising and looking to try and continue to build and grow and evolve and get better. To spend that much money on a, what is essentially a, a revival project, you know, uh, was a massive risk because, you know, you could go into the market and spend money on a player that is that is succeeding, that has shown success, that has shown potential, that's only moving in one direction. You know, you look at City with Doku, for instance, which yeah. ironically, I put a quite a controversial tweet. You might come on to that. Yeah, um, did you see one. it? Did you see that tweet? Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yes. Uh, I thought, good, I, I good think... luck to Tom's mentions tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it was one. To be fair, later that evening, he did score the winning goal against Brentford when I was like, thank Christ he did that. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could have been in a lot of trouble. Then obviously he scored again in midweek, which really, you know, I feel like I'm going to quote tweet it now every single time he scores or assists. Trust me. I will stick to that. Um, But yeah, I felt as though that that 65 million could have easily been spent on someone that was clearly up and coming and improving and going in one direction. And instead, we chose to invest it in Havertz, which was always going to be a big like eyebrow raiser. And I think certainly one which is for Arteta's biggest critics, really after a a season where his critics couldn't really say that much because he surprised everybody with with competing for a title with the squad and the business that we'd done in that summer. And then obviously some of the other business like Declan Rice as well in this summer. It really gave something I felt for Arteta's harshest critics to latch onto and to think, right, if this doesn't work out, we can hold Arteta to the sword. And I, I for one, also thought that if Arteta is going to fall on a sword, the sword is going to be Kai Havertz. Um, Mm. And thankfully, it seems that it's starting to go in the, in a very positive direction, finally. But I still think there were signs in those early days. I remember the Crystal Palace game. Yeah. I wrote an article after that game about his contribution in that fixture off the ball and what he did in terms of the tenacity that he brought and clearly what Arteta was kind of instructing him to do as well. But it wasn't obvious to everybody. Yeah. And the thing is, a £65 million signing is you kind of want it to be obvious, don't you? Yeah, you do. Like... I mean, obviously, £105 million for Declan Rice, you definitely want it to be. But I think mm. it took us by surprise how quickly that has looked to bargain. I can't believe we're yeah. saying that about £105 million. <laughs> Yeah. Um, 
Whereas we absolutely with Havertz, shafted West Ham. <laughs> yeah. I got. I can't believe. I can't believe I got annoyed at their negotiation. I can't I believe it. I know. Turns out we me. swindled them. <laughs> Completely yeah. swindled so them. Yeah. Very rude. I'm sorry to any West Ham fans watching this. <laughs> yeah, we got that wrong. I've scared um, them all off by now. Don't worry. They're, they're yeah, well, I think we, yeah. I think we probably all have. Um, with Havertz, it's not a hundred million, but like it's it's an exceptional fee. That yeah, there was an expectation of something quite quickly, but. I thought with the football we played last year, I thought we would see him look comfortable on the ball quite quickly, at least whatever position and the off the ball would be interesting because that's what Chelsea fans warned us about. And I can't believe it's been the polar opposite. I've actually been convinced about him off the ball since day one at Arsenal, like pretty much every, and I'm talking um, beyond preseason, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm talking, um, you know, competitive fixtures. I've never had a problem with his commitment, you know, into a tackle, putting his body around, positioning. We don't look like you can cut through us. Um, even the mistake against Man United that led to their first goal, that was an on-the-ball thing. Mm. Off the ball, you know, you don't look like you can walk through us and you'd think losing Granit Xhaka might be a problem. Part of that is to do with the way Arteta's reshaped tactically, which we've all talked about. Um, so that's great. But then on the ball, I've been really quite... Shocked is a strong word, but I've been quite shocked like how far off the pace he has looked on the ball compared to everyone else. But I thought against Brentford in this cameo, forget just the goal, I thought he looked quite neat and tidy and did all the basics, which is, mm. you know, all I asked for a sub, come on, look, in, look like you belong in the game and then try have an impact in a big moment. In this game against Lons last night, I thought he looked like better than others on the ball mm. and really at home. I thought he looked... Like he belonged there, and that was great. The goal's fantastic. That that's great. But my favorite moment was winning the ball, taking a touch, and rolling into Martinelli for Saka's goal. That is good midfield play. I won the ball. I drove into space. I fed my forwards, yeah. and I just want to see more of that. I'm not. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not even asking him to look like a 65 million pound player. I think that 65 million pounds. You'll decide whether that's worth it. In maybe three years' time, what have we won? What part did he play in it? Whatever. I don't think he's going to be a huge output man or a difference maker. But if he can be that guy who keeps things ticking in midfield, and maybe I'm lowering the bar. Maybe I, maybe I hold my hands up. Maybe I'm doing that for him. But that's what I need to see at the moment. I thought he did that really well against Lons. Yeah, I agree. I think he's very measured in what he yeah. does. He's very calculated in, in, in how he operates. That the, the, the chance that you brought when he lays it into the right-hand side... In the in the ground, everyone was calling on him to shoot, like just shoot from range, you know, just strike the ball from there. And whilst that would have been great to see him, you know, have an attempt to go or whatever in that moment, but he is just so assured in what he wants to do. There is part of me that thinks if he's more confident, he'll take more risks, and I think that will take him to another level. Like there was a moment where, and I talked about it on the morning show, that Martinelli was released, was running down the left hand side, completely free and clear, and Havertz picked up the ball on the left and saw him running. And then just went, nope, and passed it backwards. And I was just like, okay, even though you've got your goal and you're on the, the highest level of confidence, you've probably been still not playing that pass. And I want to see that pass played more yeah. from him. Um, but I yeah, actually, it's just popped into my mind what moment, yeah. Was that in the first half? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I know, I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously, I'm on the uh, the side of the press box, so it's, it was on the mm. other side of the field to, mm-hmm. to where I was operating. But it was so obvious and clear what opportunity was there to to play the ball, and he just didn't do it. And it's those. Sometimes I feel like he is too simple in what he does, 
but I think that's come from the fact that he's had a tough start and he's just mm. wanting to get the basics right. He just want to build up from those basics, keep the play ticking over. Don't do something too crazy, too ridiculous, but pop up in the right moments at the right times. In the last week, he's done that twice and got two goals. So what more can you you really want? He's got more goals than I think Rashford's got this season, which is kind of a you know a crazy. I think Rashford's got t- two goals this year. Uh, and have a Ballon d'Or contender then, are we? That's Indeed. Fantastic. I mean, yes, we're going to be papering walls with, with Havertz wallpaper, I can see, very soon. Um, but it, I, how do you feel about the retrospective kind of view on Havertz from like a fan side of things, because when he arrived, the, the only thing I can really kind of mirror it with was when Aaron Ramsdale arrived in some ways, because there was like all this, we don't want you to sign. We don't want you here. Go back to Sheffield United or whatever. And even more so with Havertz, I think it's been trickier because Ramsdale obviously was on the bench and then came into the team uh, and, and played well from the off. Whereas Havertz has obviously come into the team almost immediately. He started the Community Shield, of course, in, in that in that Wembley Stadium up top in a very interesting performance in which he had a couple of opportunities to score and snatched at both of them. Mm. And then obviously has not really been able to impact games maybe as much as he and Arteta and obviously the fans would have wanted. And very quickly it turned quite sour. I mean, I had people in comment section saying, let's sell him in January. Uh, I've very unashamedly print screened plenty of comments of, of Arteta, of, sorry, of, of Havertz hate so we can revisit them later on in the season when hopefully he's turned things around fully. But how, what have you made of kind of the view of him, the treatment of him and how he's coped with that as well? Uh, let me answer that last one first uh how he's coped with that that's the thing i've admired the most about him mm. and i don't mean that he's been mentally resilient i don't know the guy behind the scenes I, i'm sure he has been i've got you know the fact that he's, mm. he's going out there giving his best not shirking anything he might not be doing that great on the ball but he's not shirking anything um although some people kind of say he hides in games but i'm not sure it's that i think that's confidence not i don't think that's cowardice or whatever so he scored three goals and yesterday was the most animated I saw him in celebration. The other two were sort of, I know he did this, but I think the Bournemouth and the Brentford one, I think were they're slightly apologetic. Like, you know, I, I know I've not been that guy, and, yeah. but, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to contribute. And I thought he enjoyed it yesterday. Uh, and, and he deserved to because he actually, he did really well with the header from a Tommy Asu cross that just went wide. And I think he was feeling himself a little bit and thinking, okay, I'm I'm going into this game, some nice moments, and then scored. Um, so he's dealt with it well. Now, retrospectively, how do we react to the fan base? It's it's really difficult. You always want to say, you always want to say, look at the human side of things. Mm-hmm. He is just a guy who wants to do his best in his career, and we need to be a little bit more open to that. But then I also think there's this thing about football where yeah, the lows and the criticism feels outrageous, but actually the praise and the hyperbole well, can also be outrageous, only it's in the other way. So it's like, mm. it's never, no one ever kind of gets mad at you. It's only ever um, tribalism between fans. You know, if we say Saka's world-class, you know, it's not a bad thing to sort of go a bit over the top with it. You know what I mean? Sure. He is world-class, so, but... <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll chuck Declan Rice in there as well. And I I'm agree, happy yeah. to have those arguments with fans, Indeed. but... So to answer your question, I'm sort of going a very long roundabout way, but I think I think we are still right to be sceptical mm. and we are, always, we are always allowed to have an opinion. Absolutely. I always think 
it's it's the repetitive nature. But the problem is football is repetitive. Arsenal play twice a week. Mm. So the conversation will keep happening. If Arsenal played once a month, <laughs> it was boxing and they had a fight once oh. every six months. We wouldn't be talking about it all the time. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like that. So mm. you can't help but get dragged into the conversation every 90 minutes, every 20 minute cameo. So how was Havertz? How was Arsenal's fine? And that's what makes it feel like it's over the top. I don't actually think a lot of what's been said has been particularly unfair. It's just been, why did you spend 65 million here when it could have gone elsewhere? That yeah. might still be true. Like, Lons weren't that good. And Havertz still has a lot to prove. Mm. So, I, I don't know. I think I have to look back on that. With Ramsdale, I think people really... Yeah, they were changing their minds quickly. But I think it was by the end of the season where we went, mm. fair play. Like, a team that we didn't think was going to battle for the top four did. They fell away. Then they challenged for the title. And we've kind of fallen in love with this guy. Um, so, I think we need to wait a little bit longer to know if the reaction was merited or not oh absolutely um which is in part kind of the point of of, of the discussion because i have mm. said a number of times like people have a right to be concerned and have had a right because i've been concerned you know about kai Havertz and concerned about whether or not we made the right choice and i still have question marks i mm. foolishly bet damn pots a hundred pounds a charity that Havertz would get more goal contributions in the Premier League than James Madison. And that is looking an incredibly <laughs> naive bet <laughs> to have made. It was in jest, I should say, just because it was funny. I knew, it was, I knew my money wasn't going to Potsy. So it, it, as long as you're not paying Potsy anything, you're it. happy, you know, as long as it's going to charity. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, I, I made kind of jest and I wish I'd kind of done it across all comps because obviously Spurs didn't have uh, European football this season um, Yeah, but basically. he is injured uh, and I'm hoping that whilst Madison is injured, Havertz might catch up a little bit um, <laughs> so I think he's on three goal contributions, I think Madison's on like what, 11 or something silly already like i don't know what he's on some, yeah, something, something like i think he's broken double figures so we need yeah. a lot from Havertz. um we do and actually tom sorry to interrupt you there, no there's a comment here that says uh from joe says the majority of the fan base is behind him i believe that it, it sparked another thought in my head which is also with what you were saying about the retrospective mm. reaction i always believe online and in our discourse or whatever have a you know have opinions stick by them that's fine you're judging someone as a footballer when i'm in the emirates stadium no matter who's kicking a ball for my club I, I am supporting them thoroughly and i think that's where the emirates fan base the away fans or whatever you that's the support he needs to feel mm -hmm. online i imagine he's on twitter mute the word mute the word have us <laughs> you know and maybe <laughs> and maybe don't follow you know yeah certain, you know i don't know it, it, there's well, whatever maybe just don't look up your name online or whatever because you yeah. can avoid that to a degree and people are right to have their opinion if he doesn't want to hear it or see it that is totally fair in, mm. in the in the stadium i always think you're there for 90 minutes to do what you can to drive the team over the line um and then after say what you've got to say but it, it's a difficult one i I've not seen things that, for me, the people I've spoken with, I've ever thought, oh, you're going over the top, this is abuse or whatever. It's just a shame mm. that, you know, it's easy to say it's not personal. We don't mean it to be personal, but also he cares about being a good footballer, so it's going to feel personal. Um, so yeah. I just hope he just continues to build on what has been a really good, steady progression. But I think Lons was actually a real leap. Um, mm. I was really not just... I wasn't just like, oh, well done, Havertz. You were good today. No, I, I just thought he was legitimately good. Um, so I'm, yeah, I really hope he can build on this. He's got the attributes. Yeah, I mean, on the social thing, like players without a doubt see stuff. Um, yeah. 
I, I, I asked Jesus a question after the game yesterday about um, translating his Champions League form into the Premier League. And he, he didn't get two sentences in before he brought up those comments that he made during the international break um, that were taken out of context when he said, goal scoring's not my strong point. And it, everyone kind of clipped that those six, seven words and ignored the entire like two paragraphs he'd said before that to provide the context. Mm-hmm. And he went off on a... You know, a bit of a rant talking about the frustrations with that. And that obviously, he, whilst he does mean that goals aren't his strongest attribute as a centre forward, it's because he talks about there being so much more to his game than just goal. Look, the players do see the stuff. They see when things go viral. You know, they see when these clips mm-hmm. and these these quotes are taken and used in, in the wrong way to what they intended. So Havertz will, without a doubt, be well aware. I mean, I remember when he scored the, in the pre-season. And he tweeted, have that, you know, because he'd already seen like the level of scrutiny. Because I think, was it the skills challenge in America that he yeah, had like a poor skills challenge? And people were saying, oh, goodness me, he's not even having a good life. He, he, he was crap in it. He was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was the, was it the volley challenge? I think it was. Yeah, it? It, was, it was poor. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was at, I was yeah. at the, um, I was at that ground and, um, someone was filming me reacting to it and they cut it up and it was me looking immensely disappointed. I'm sort of yeah. looking at the camera going, and, and everyone took it so seriously. I thought, Oh no, here we go. So there you go. But Yeah. You know. So basically what we're saying is it's entirely your fault. He's received all this. Well, actually, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that way. yeah. That, that tweet was for me. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you have that James that's what he was doing yeah he just missed the James bill um and Chris says 65 million uh for a player that can cover so many positions at a decent standard is a bargain when you look at the squad management and if he keeps this up even better which is a fair point and Marcus asked as well um uh was it this question um no it wasn't this question I mean James has Cecil learned the right names now are you two are a great duo what does he mean oh, by that the right he's name. Appalling. He's um appalling at pronouncing names. Oh, like yeah. um Gerard Moreno. He called him Monroe. Um, <laughs> and there, there's just been there's just been count. No, there have been countless ones. I need to typically on the spot now yeah. again them, but there are so many. Um, Robbie calls Vinicius Vincensis, which kills wow, me every time. That's special. No, no, they've had some shockers. Lee, Lee judges calls oh, Zinchenko Chinchenko. Barely speak. He, 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 <laughs> he just cannot get the certain names right. Bless him. Um, but then I, I, yeah, I had a, I had a moment recently with a, with a fan zone caller um, who was called um, oh, typical. Now I've forgotten his name, but I called him Neil, and his name just wasn't Neil. So there you go. <laughs> AFPV isn't the place for pronouncing names properly, and I pride myself on actually being quite good at that. Uh, I, honestly, the amount of comments I get left pronouncing names in particular, a lot of it's actually like African pronunciations of names um, okay. that I get wrong really easily. And we have a, like a quite, a, there's a fair few uh, African listeners we have on the channel. So often they're uh, really going at me about it. Cause it, it was it, uh, Boniface of, of Bayer Leverkusen. Okay. I was saying like Boniface and Boniface and things like that, but apparently it's just Boniface. Boniface. Um, so I learned that. So yeah, it's a lot of the African pronunciations where the names, uh, the heritage of those names, where they come from. Uh, it wasn't Marcus's comment I actually meant to put up. Oh. Was, um, where did you think he uh, would play James in terms of Havertz now and where he's his best position? And that is the question we're all kind of asking is what is his best role in the team? I, I, uh, I admittedly had a bit of a shocker on this one because... Mm. I did explore the idea of him as an eight because I felt six foot four, you know, can score yeah. some goals. Seems ready made for that Granite Xhaka role in a slightly more attacking sense. 
But but actually, I wondered whether a lot of his um, goal contributions and best goal contribution numbers per game came uh, playing in either the right of a midfield central midfield position or out on the right. Yeah. So I wondered whether, and then he had this secret pace that we haven't really seen much of, but football mm. manager rates him as high, having a lot of pace. So I trust them. Um, I wondered <laughs> whether the way the game had moved with the likes of Bernardo Silva and Grealish being wingers, but they're more wide playmakers because there's more kind of controlled, less kind of rock and roll style football. I wondered whether Havertz was going to have a place in wider areas of the front three, but he's very much seen as a midfielder. And for the first time yesterday, I, I saw what that could look like. And like I keep saying that Lons were poor off the ball, on the ball. I actually thought they, they did okay for a 60 Yeah, feet. they did. Yeah. I think they had more well, possession than us. They did, yeah, 53% yeah. of it. Off yeah. the ball, they were they were calamity. I mean, but, you know, that's fine. Like, it's... It, keep being told that because Saka can't be taken seriously too, does in the Champions League. Well, okay, well, Havertz has just done it. And so, you know, he, he, he looked good in there. I, I really liked his um, little turn. He tried one bit of skill in the corner flag. We all know the one. And then when he got it through his legs, semi-accidentally, he then actually lovely drag back to get him through. That was mm. confidence. I liked seeing that. I just, I think he starts against Wolves on the weekend. And I, I would love someone to make that number eight position their own because I'm very stressed about it. And I have been for three years. Yeah. Like, even <laughs> when we had Granit Xhaka, I've just felt this position needs to be addressed. So it'd be nice if Havertz is that. Yeah, it'd be great if he wore... I think what people get obsessed about is that, like, everyone's kind of a fits a specific formation and you take a player out and the player that goes in has to be a regen of that player, be that, you know, Xhaka in, in this case. It's not true. Like, you evolve. Like, Kieran Tierney's come out the seam and Zinchenko is playing a completely different style of you know, fullback, um, even if you want to call it fullback, is basically an additional midfielder, you know, playing yeah. that role in that position. And, you know, when Ben White moved out to the right-back slot, which was finally Arsenal's kind of evolution at right-back from what we had. I mean, Bellerin playing there for so many years, being more of a traditional overlap uh, mm. right-sided player. Who was, who was the in-between those two? Who was, well, was it? So you had Cedric playing there for a ridiculous amount you of time. Sanya, Debushi, Debushi for six months before Bellerin yeah. emerged. Cedric had some minutes. Chambers played some minutes when Chambers, Bellerin was injured. Yeah. Maitland-Niles played some minutes. I feel like yeah, Socrates I mean, was used by Arteta at right back. He did as use well. him once at right back, which was yeah. weird, horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're forgetting. I feel like there's someone we're forgetting that used I to play like right back. We're forgetting. Chat box, you're gonna have to help us out because our memories have gone blank. But I'm sure there was someone that I've completely Maitland-Niles, Rise, Rise, Cole Jenkinson. Tom says. Um, we're getting some, you know, blasts in the past, but I feel like there's someone that we're really glaringly missing that I can't remember. I know what you mean. It was Lichsteiner uh, was there oh, for us. Obviously, Lichsteiner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's someone that everyone's forgotten about. It was Bellerin, but he was just riddled with injuries, and I think after that yeah. ACL, he was never the same for me. Um, no, pre ACL, he, he was a fullback. I actually, really liked his pace was electric, but um, after that, yeah, he struggled. Mm, but, a lot. Yeah, but people get obsessed with kind of the the switching out of players has to be for a player that comes in and does what that person does. And if they don't do that role, it's like, oh, well, we've missed Xhaka or we've missed X, Y, Z, you know. And we did miss Xhaka a lot when he wasn't there, mainly because we just didn't have the depth in the midfield at the time when we lost him to replace him. And they've really benefited by Leverkusen from having Xhaka this season. And it shows from where they are in, in the Bundesliga table this year as well. But Arsenal, yeah. of course, still sit top of the league 
even without Granite Xhaka in this squad. And Havertz is now contributing significantly to the reasons why we're top of the league with that goal against Brentford. And of course, with yeah. this contribution we saw in the Champions League this week as well. So yeah, I, I think we are coming out of the other side. Um, how Hope confident so. are you that this is going to carry on? Um, like this is the... the <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> this is the, um, the most... I'm going to use the word excited, but that doesn't mean I'm excited. If there is a there is a tether of excitement, mm. I'm really excited. Actually, it's flipped. So really excited, yeah. not excited at all. Mm. I am definitely much more excited, but I'm yeah. still <laughs> struggling to get near the really excited area. Yeah. Um, because Chelsea fans will tell you that he had moments like late winners against Newcastle. You know, mm. that kind of touch and, and finish on the volley, which was brilliant, or half volley, whatever it was. Um, he's had moments of Champions League final where you think, like, okay, Havertz has arrived and it never yeah. quite happened. But I trust Arteta infinitely more as a coach than a lot of the managers they've had. Um, when it comes to player development, those players in those attacking areas, I mean, this is a manager who was the understudy to Pep when he had Bernardo Silva, David Silva, underlappers, left eights who are supremely creative. Surely he knows what Gundogan was there. Surely he knows what a top player in that position looks like. So I need to believe that he sees Havertz has that in him. And okay, we'll be patient. So I, I never I never ruled out the idea of Havertz coming good. Um, mm -hmm. But I need to just see a lot more. But Belons was, and like I said, the, the most complimentary way to say it is, this isn't some condescending. Well done, you know you you looked you, you looked a part of the team today. It's yeah, not that he was legitimately good. He's Bad better again. than Odegaard for me. Yeah, he was better than Odegaard. Yeah, um, yeah I like to perform a lot. And that's the first time that that team has actually played um, together, which again boils down to this whole. I've always felt like one of the things that has been held against Arteta by a lot of pundits on. You know, a number of platforms saying that like Arteta doesn't know what his best team is. Like he never, he does. Arteta, if you ask Arteta what his best team is, he can't tell you. And I don't think that's a criticism anymore. I don't think it. I don't think you necessarily have to have a best eleven if you're a team that's trying to compete across multiple fronts because you need to be able to rotate. You need yeah. to be able to interchange players, and you need to be able to deal with injuries when they come along as well. And that was interesting. That it's the first time that not only that 11's played, but obviously that front five of Odegaard, Havertz. Jesus, Saka, and Martinelli. No Trossard in there, by the way. No Smith Rowe, no Vieira. You know, none of these extra players that could provide depth and additional options and variety as well. The first time those five, I'm now going to ask you the ironic question of do you think that is the best front five that we have if available? I, I think Arteta believes it is. Yeah. I think Arteta is pretty sold on that. Mm. Um, do I think it is? Um, I think we're in danger because of his injury record and Rice's brilliant form of forgetting how brilliant Thomas Partey is when he's at his best. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he gets to exceptional levels. Mm -hmm. Cool. Some people won't, won't want to say world-class. Maybe that is thrown around there. But he gets oh, to a level where... As a footballer, he's world-class. You know, like... Just, yeah, he, 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 he plays games. He, he has performances where, where you go... See what Rice is making us feel almost every week. Like he's mm. playing, like he's a 16 year old playing under 13s. Like he's just like physically above everyone else and he's just so ahead. Like, you know, Partey's had games where I thought that. Well, I thought he looks smoother than everyone else. He looks better on the ball. He looks like he covers ground better, all that. Um, maybe not quite in the way Rice does it so defensively. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is does a fully fit Thomas Partey 
with Declan Rice getting forward more. And I don't think Rice is bad getting forward at mm-hmm. all. You know, I think he's neat enough on the ball. I think he's clever enough with what he does. He can attack that back post well. Rice can score that Havertz goal at Brent. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Now, I think Havertz gets in those positions more than a Rice, but I think Rice is good enough to do that. Um, and I just think... Uh, I think Rice, Partey, Odegaard is still... that I'm not... Having... It's the best midfield that we have, I think. Yeah. If we were playing a Champions League final and I had to pick a midfield three, that's the midfield three if they're all fully fit yeah. I'm choosing. But I think there's something to be said. And I think maybe, I think Daniel says this here, um, it's the best 11 for who you are playing against. And I think that part in particular is really key, is mm-hmm. that Partey, Rice, Odegaard would be great when you're playing against City or when you're away yeah. at Anfield or when you're at Old Trafford, potentially. But when you're going up against a low block like mm-hmm. a Brentford's, you know, having Havertz in there instead of one of Rice or Partey, I think is beneficial. I think it gives you something different. It gives you the ability to to do things differently. Yeah. And I think that from Arteta's perspective, there's always so much emphasis on what is a manager's style, like what is their philosophy, what do they want to play. I think that maybe there's too much emphasis on that. And actually, the way in which you need to look at Arteta is that Arteta wants his team to be as malleable and as changeable and as adaptive as feasibly possible so that if there's a problem they have the answer to it and I think bringing in Havertz has been one of like I used the example this morning of just like it's another key in case we've got a a door to unlock that previously we couldn't it's another key to try and find an answer to what opposition teams like Brentford chose to do against us at the weekend would you say yeah it's a good way to think of it yeah I I know what you mean it it does feel like an outlet we didn't really have as much I mean Havertz's movement is good I mean people can throw the criticism they want but the fact you're getting mad at missed chances is is indication that he's getting into those areas. So mm. uh, without sort of going too deep on the tactics side of things, the other thing I like about Rice as an eight, because we've seen that a little bit recently with Jorginho, I think he had a run of something like maybe six, six games in seven as an eight rather than yeah. in the six. So Jorginho has kind of come into the team, helped that. And I don't think anyone claiming the eight spot, you know, allowed that too. But what we saw rather than him always bursting forwards and getting into the front five, we actually saw him still being in build-up. And then the inverted fullback, instead of just sort of tucking into midfield, was getting right up the pitch. Then he's done it at times, but Tommy Asso, where it's severe, was the game I really remember, where I thought, what's Tommy doing there? Get back. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and then you start to go, hmm. So Zinchenko, who everyone says isn't the best defensively, though I think he's improved. Getting forward into these really kind of elaborate, I hate to say it because it's Tottenham and all that, but they do that really well with Poro and Udogi. They get really yeah. high up the pitch. Mm. So Zinni did a bit more of that. And then you've got White, Saliba, Gabriel, Partey, 
Rice. Mm. Zinni kind of breaking forward to create, but he can also overlap Martinelli who can tuck yep. in. Erdogan gets a bit more freedom because you've got two basically holding midfields behind him. Cooking. <laughs> yeah. Looks and it's film. exciting. Like, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think Arteta just likes to create chaos, you know, for the opposition yeah. and ha- have so many. Like, I, mean, I remember sitting in. I think I was. I think I was in the press conference in which he said the line of, "We used like a hu- like was it 140 different formations or something," yeah. Yeah. and everyone laughed at that. But like, he weren't lying. <laughs> like, like, well, you know, I sat he- there going through my tactical insight notes. Tearing my hair out. Yeah, like, I've now got to get 140 print screens of different formations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but he's not wrong in the sense of like you see players popping up in all different. Like last night, Martinelli had a shot that hit the side netting. It wasn't the left side netting; yeah. it was the right side netting. He popped up yeah. on the right hand side, ran through that right half space, and and probably should have squared it. To be fair to Jesus, but. It is that chaos. It's that unpredictability that will make a team so hard to deal with. And that's why City have had so much success because, you know, Guardiola has has continuously evolved that team so that Bernardo Silva's was a right winger when they signed him from Monaco. Mm -hmm. But he's become this amazing attacking midfielder that's just ghosts into these different positions on the field. Mares became a player that despite being, you know, an archetypal inverted right winger, again, became at times a second striker, you know, yeah. for them um, and would pop up in the box as a number nine. And Phil Foden, of course, has so much versatility in, in his game. De Bruyne, of course, played, you know, almost as a, a false nine for so much of, of so many seasons for them as yeah. well. And even though Erling Haaland is now very much the focal point, and I've often talked about how that he's bottlenecked that Man City team at times, that he has evolved as a striker as well. And he brings in other players where he didn't do it as much at Borussia Dortmund or at Salzburg before that. So, it's Arteta. There's always it's really boring when you do the whole well Arteta's you know doing what Guardiola's done and there's those parallels. But it's not boring when it's true because it is there. He wants to. He recognizes that the most successful team of the modern era have been any side managed by Pep Guardiola, basically. Mm-hmm. Which I, I still struggle whenever anyone says, "Well, Guardiola only you know he needs money to win," and I'm like. He just he doesn't, you know. He he. It's like saying it's like using the phrase of why take a chance when you can take no chance at all. If you've got the money, spend it, you know. And however, you've got that money is a discussion for another day, of course. Whilst they go under these alleged investigations of those alleged breach charges, but he's brought in those players, he's built that team, he's evolved it, he's changed it, he's dealt with, you know, constant yeah. different iterations of that eleven. Be it from when he was at Barcelona initially, like when he took over from Rijkaard and recognised that, yeah, Ronaldinho might have been the best player in the world, but he doesn't fit what I'm going to do. And if he doesn't fit what I'm going to do, we're going to, you know, we, we need to evolve uh, f- from that. I, I know that he, I think he moves slightly on, but in the, in terms of like bringing through um, Sergio Busquets and Pedro and integrating those players, signing yeah. players like Danny Alves and Sergio Ramos, of course. Uh, sorry, not uh, Sergio Ramos. Who was the guy that they signed as well? PK, sorry, as yeah, well from Manchester yeah. United. Um, so it's that evolution that Arteta is, is establishing. Are you confident this season more so than last season that what we're doing is sustainable? Um, these are really good questions because I'm having to pause with every single one. <laughs> but that's why I get you on because you you don't go straight into it. You pause and you think Thank rather you. than just going... Um, <laughs> might, be quite, might be quite boring for your audience to so actually get on with it, mate. <laughs> um, so, okay, cards on the table. I predicted mm. us to win the league back when the predictions were done before Premier League, a ball was kicked in the Premier League. 
it was based on the fact that I actually felt we had bar a 30 goal a season number nine. I thought we had an incredibly complete squad, um, more so than Liverpool's. And I felt Declan Rice would be a real difference maker. And I felt that City's summer was a little overrated. Nunes I really rate, but I don't think he becomes the answer immediately. Kovacic I really rate. And but mm. Doku, raw but talented. Like I, I, I didn't feel they came out the, the transfer window stronger than they went into it. Arsenal I felt did. I know we lost yeah, Shaka, yeah. but that's it. I felt with Timber right. in there, Partey, Rice, and whatever Havertz becomes, you know, it point is you have him over not having him, it's mm-hmm. not going to do too much harm. Um so I yeah, that that was my main reason. I felt we'd made up the five points and more um, in the transfer window, and I felt that the weight of the treble and all that. So, um, I've forgotten your question now because I've rambled so Do long. Do you think what we're doing is sustainable, sustainable. For the season, more so than last season when we fell away? Being really difficult to beat because you have a fantastic defensive structure is mm. totally and utterly sustainable. Mm-hmm. It's not an accident. Like, a team that wants to play in the opposition's half with a lot of the ball, having a superb defensive record is only a good thing. You can't say, well, we're parking the bus. You can't say, well, yeah, we're good defensively because we don't attack. You can't... No, we've taken a little bit from our attack, but we're not far off the top scorers in the league either. And we find have an, uh, found other avenues. I take issue with this, you know, for goals from open play. But, but hold on, but we weren't scoring from set pieces. You're all slagging us off for that. And we weren't <laughs> yeah. earning penalties. Yeah. I mean, what penalties we had this season that weren't penalties? They're all stonewall, all of them. You know, why do you get penalties? Because you've got in and around the penalty area with tricky players who are committing the opposition to making mistakes. Um, the only get the game we've lost, we absolutely shouldn't have lost. Newcastle never deserved the three points in that. Mm-hmm. So, so it's sustainable from a, I don't think we're going to fall far beyond this level. I think that is sustainable. Is it good enough to win the Premier League? Now, some people took issue with, got, with what Jamie Carragher said. I understood. I heard what he was saying. I agreed saying. with him to a degree. Yeah. yeah. I heard what he was saying. Mm. I just I just don't think it's a concern yet. Now, if we're saying yeah. this in March, sure. Even February, January. But I think I think it's fine. You know, we're, we're, we're dealing with having two games a week for the first, which we haven't had for a long time. Um, we're dealing with a new style of play, a load of injuries. Well, I say a load of injuries. Look, that actually isn't completely fair. I think the likes of Brighton, Tottenham and a few others might have something to say about our lots of injuries. But it was in terms of the amount of key players, Timber, Partey, Jesus, Erdegaard, all missing a lot of football. Uh, Saka missed a little period. Martinelli mm. missed a month and a bit. Yeah. So I think because I've seen these players get to that level last season, yeah, I think this is sustainable. And I think it will... I think momentum will build. Yeah, I agree. I, I, people keep talking about using the phrase Arsenal haven't clicked yet. I don't think it, yeah. I don't think that's the way of putting it. I, by saying Arsenal haven't clicked yet, what you're saying is that at some point it's just going to go bang and then Arsenal are going to be great. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's a case of Arsenal are, as you use the word, they're building momentum and they're, grad- they're learning as they go. And it's kind of an improvement. Mm. Every single game, we learn something that they've done a bit better. Some games yeah. we might not win, but like you take the Newcastle game, for instance, right? Like we won that game last season away from home, but yeah. Newcastle were the better team for a lot of that game when we lost 2-0. 
And we were quite fortunate not to be one, even 2-0 down, 3-0 down in the first 15 to 20 minutes of that fixture. We rode rode our luck quite a bit. Whereas in the game there, we like similar to the Man City game, we stayed in it for such a long period of time in such a hostile environment. Some games are just really that tough, you know. Mm -hmm. This is a Newcastle team that are going to take points off lots of... I mean, you know, we had to come back against Chelsea. And you look at Chelsea, go up to St. James's Park and get absolutely destroyed, you know, in the end. So... It's a case of, I think, looking at ways in which you can take what went so well last season and recognise that that's great, but it's Mm -hmm. not one you were league. So what is going to be needed to change in order to take Arsenal to a level where they can? And I think that we've played more offensively against Man City in previous seasons and come out second best. You look at this season, yes, it, it wasn't a great game. It was a pretty reductive fixture, but that's how you win against Man City if you want to. If you want to play Arsenal tiki-taka flair football, be ready to concede a fair few goals because you're going to. Mm-hmm. If you want to stay in that game as long as feasibly possible and be resilient and be reductive and industrious and limit them to as many as fewer chances, which in turn will limit you to as fewer chances you can, and then you take the one that comes to you, as we did, with a bit of fortune, then that's how you're going to win at the moment because we can't really go toe-to-toe with City how we might want to. So you've got to play it differently. I agree. And while I have faith our attack will get there, you know, I really hope we don't lose what we're doing well defensively this season. Agreed, yeah. I um, I did a little preview on my channel of the City-Chelsea game. This was after Chelsea had had that mad game at Tottenham. And I said, look, that was great fun, but you're not going to see that at the bridge. City won't allow it. And I was wrong. That that really took me by surprise, you know, that they threw away that many leads, that they a conceded four in the first place to Chelsea. I, th- I think I think Arteta would have felt sick with that, <laughs> yeah. and and, yeah. and I think I think Pep probably does, um, and, and would have. But I, I just mean, yeah, you know, we we like to look at stats, but we also know that stats can be thrown in so many different ways, like. A great point that's been made on Twitter when people are saying, well, our you know, our, our attacking stats are down and our rankings in the league aren't great. So I went, yeah, okay, but if our defense is so much better, then the XG difference is looking better. And I haven't actually double checked those numbers myself, but sure. that's kind of a really good point. The point of football is scoring more goals than the opposition. So if we're winning games one nil, whereas you know, last season we were winning them five three, five four, whatever. You know, ultimately, I've, I've, I've butchered the analogy. The point I'm trying to make is... <laughs> it makes sense. You get what I'm trying to say. 2 yeah. Let's put it that way. If we're winning more games 2-0, mm. but, you know, last season we were scoring 5-4s, 6-5s or whatever. Yeah, we were scoring a load more goals last season, but that difference is better the first time and then mm. we're not scoring as much. And people need to look at it that way that we might have lost a little bit of something, but we're doing so well the other way. Now, if Arsenal start to look shaky as the season rolls on and and the temperature goes up i start to worry because i don't know how quickly you can just turn on the tap and suddenly start scoring loads of goals again um but mm. but i but i don't think that's something that this arsenal group will lose that easily their defensive structure yeah uh sorry i got distracted by this comment from david saying random thought um <laughs> if tom colored in the r on your rudigard it would become <laughs> i laugh at that because it's such like an absolute I, I can't wait for David to click in David's mind what's really I'll give you a clue what's happened if you look at this microphone have a look at this word and then maybe that will help you understand what we've done here <laughs> it right, and, so and it's very mind. clever I've got <laughs> I've got a sure mic but oh, I'm not no. unless I was a United fan Luke Shaw ne- never mind uh, yeah, true I'm trying it's to think nice. now right. chat box help James out which player can we in the Arsenal team 
can you use that word? Wilshaw. Wilshaw. Yeah, you, you could Wilshaw. use Wilshaw. Yeah, that's go. very good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, oh, I'm man. sure the chat box will have some of their own ideas as well as we go through with the Absolutely. puns coming through. Um, where were we? I've got completely distracted. Oh, sorry. I just um, had, yeah. No, it's, that's my fault. I went off a complete yeah. tangent. Um, no, what was I saying? Um, yeah, so... The thing is, like last season, we are still beating teams like well. Like you think about the, I mean, literally what we've just played against Lons, battered them six nil. Mm. We battered PSV four nil. We battered Bournemouth four nil. We yeah. comfortably beat Burnley the other day. Um, yeah. You know, Sheffield even though we beat five. Sheffield exactly five nil. The Sevilla home game, even though we won that two nil, we were dominant in that fixture. Like that they didn't six, get that was a six nil two nil. It yeah. was easily, you know, should have been way more. And the thing is, is that the teams in which we've not necessarily, you know, had the best of luck against, like your Brentfords of this world, they've played deep, they've sat back, they've looked to try and destroy what Arteta is building. But the thing, and that's the key to this season, is that teams aren't being mugs like they were last season, when we shocked and surprised them and you came out the blocks like no one ever expected. And, you know, we really shocked sides as well. So I think, sorry, I got distracted by Curtis Shaw. I know, Curtis Shaw and Shaw, um, Maran Shomak. Yeah. Yeah. Fair, I'm liking these. Fair play to you. Geordie Shaw, when we're playing Newcastle, maybe you could do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Like these are good. These are good. It's, it's getting better. Uh, Shawmack. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, but uh, I think that the whole point is that when teams re- like try and work you out, you have to evolve. You know, you have to change. And if we'd have done what we did last season, this season, as people were saying, like, why can't we just go back to doing what we were doing? Well, because if we did, we wouldn't be winning the same way that we were winning those games last season. You know? yeah. and I think that's where we had to sign a player like Havertz because it gives us, as I said earlier, a different option, that variety to, to be able to give us. And, and did you notice like we are like kind of kicking the ball into the box a bit more than we have been previously? That's uh, cro- Crossing or just like, what do you know, kind of like... Not only crossing, but like early crosses. So the, think about yeah. Havertz's goal. The cross comes not from like adjacent to the penalty area. It comes from like a... And earlier yeah. there was in the Brentford game, Trossard's header over the that when we when the ball was curled into him, that came from further back. Like we're trying to over uh, usurp the deep block by like just pinging balls as a, a striker kind of nips yeah. into a bit of space. You're right. The Zinchenko ball to Saka for Trossard's first goal yes. against Burnley. Yeah, Indeed. yeah, yeah. He's very good at that, isn't he? Uh, yeah, no, I hadn't noticed that. That's a really good point. Um, but I, I also think. Um, like Arteta just wants us generally to be a bit more unpredictable. Like, you know, mm. Arteta has a tendency to, uh, there was a, there was a good, uh, there was a good call on AFTV the other day. He was saying that Arteta has lied to us about the Raya Ramsdale stuff but without going into all that. Sure. You know, essentially the point is, yeah, he, he, the podcast that. <laughs> yeah, cool. he, 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 he talked about the goalkeeper situation, situation in a way that hasn't really proven true. Uh, but I understand why I understand the certain things he shouldn't really say publicly. And I get that. One yeah. of the things that I don't think we have taken as serious as we should have are all those comments about, you know, I, I considered my position after we threw away the title, you know, I was devastated. We finished second. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It might not have been quite as dramatic as that, but he was really like, he, oh. he really told us how much it mm. hurt him that we didn't win it last year. And he's maybe done something about that. Like, yeah. hey, can we not go life and death with Southampton and Bournemouth, please? If that's okay. Like, you know, that, you know, can we not throw away two goals at Leeds at West Ham? We've just played, yeah. you know, a, a conference league game of the week. Can we not do that? Like, I, I think all this really stuck with him. And he's just trying to find answers. And I, I, I can never get too mad at this. I can have my opinions and criticize what I think mm. he's getting wrong. But, 
for so long we talked about Wenger's stubbornness or managers not always, Arteta had a bit of that, not always trying different things. We are seeing, while he has his stubborn ways, Arteta, year to year, I can quite visibly see he's tried different things from Tierney in the back four, it felt like he was the answer, basically Gareth Bale down the wing, <laughs> let's just give it to him, yeah. to no, no, now it's Inchenko and now we're going to evolve this to Aubameyang's a 30-goal season striker, but I don't want him to now. Yeah, no, we're not going to attack like we did last season. This is what we're going to do. And yes, we've got Partey, but I want another six. Like, he is trying different things constantly. And I think it would be far too soon to have any... When we are in such a good position, qualified for the knockouts first, top of the league in, what, 30th and We kick a ball in December, top of the league. Hmm. That merits patience for me you can be skeptical and have critics i i hear all that but it merits patience at the very least oh without a question yeah like i get people that you know their classic line of you know oh, we need to raise our standards you know <laughs> we need to think higher of ourselves and you know be frustrated when we're not win the league and i was frustrated when we didn't win the league last season because we've given ourselves such a great chance but i was shocked that we were even in a, in a with a shout you know because i didn't expect us to be there so soon and and now we are and not only did last season happen but we look like we're sustaining our credentials as a side that can go and push for a title and that's what i want yeah. my expectation can't be arsenal to win the league because they're not my favorite you know i can't expect a side that's not my favorite to win the title to win the title because that would just be backwards but mm. what my aim is, is for Arsenal to challenge for it. My expectation is for Arsenal to challenge Man City and to try and give it absolutely everything and try and go as, as close and closer than they did last year. And who knows, that might represent us actually doing it and mm -hmm. also doing better in the Cups. I want to see us go further in the FA Cup. That's I want to see one, us man. use this Champions League as an opportunity because I do think there is something about this Champions League that is open more open than maybe people realise. Um, I was I looking at the that. teams that have progressed from the group already. I'm thinking... There's not too many of them I I don't fancy us against. You know, I I really yeah. think we could give pretty much anyone a really good game. I remember yeah. under Arsene Wenger, you were like, "Well, we're going to get Bayern and get knocked yeah. out." And now I'm like, "Bring on Bayern!" You know, <laughs> let's see, you let's see what happens. You know, see how we do. I think we're all intrigued by that. So I to hijack the show slightly here, but I wanted I to ask you on the top of Arteta. I, I raise this question: do, do you think he's entering a little bit of a I use the term villain arc, which isn't fair because we love the guy. But I, mm. but I mean, is he sort of doing like the uh, the metaphorical middle finger to everyone a little bit with the whole, you know, kind of dodging questions about Ramsdale after his performance against Brentford with the whole bringing Kai Havertz to the fans quite visibly with the mm -hmm. whole, you know, saying he's going to reinvent goalkeeping, you know, explaining that it takes time with new signings. And I said, there was another thing he did recently. Oh, the, yeah. You mentioned that the hundred formations or whatever it was in yeah. a game, like, yeah, yeah. like actually let's call, let's call it Mourinho arc. You know, yeah. that like, listen, Edge. thanks very much. I've taken us to a Premier League title charge. I'm top of the league and I know more than you leave me alone. Like, yeah, and yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that's yeah. right. We all, we yeah. can all be right about things Arteta's wrong about because we're all football mm. fans. We know our club. But <laughs> I I wonder if he's projecting that a little bit recently. Yeah, I think the difference between him and Mourinho is that he owns it when he gets stuff wrong. Like when he... Like last season, as you said, like he said, he felt it like he really hurt from not winning the league. And I think mm -hmm. he owned the fact that there are reasons as to why. And I think that's why there's been such a dramatic change in our philosophy this season, because mm -hmm. he recognized that there was stuff that we didn't do. I get the Mourinho comparison. Absolutely. Because there is 
you know, it's. I, I, I think you didn't you get in? Did you sit in one of those press conferences during the US tour? Um, yeah, one of them, the Barcelona one. Like if you, if for anyone, I know it's like a select few people that are able to get the privilege of sitting in those presses, but it is like he's a cold, intimidating guy. Like it's he's not like a it's not like a nice experience always to to be able to throw those questions. You always you're always conscious of what you're gonna get as an answer. Um, sometimes I've just been absolutely just flipped off, you know, by by one of his answers completely just dismisses it. And sometimes he's given me a really good answer, you know. And you don't know what you're going to get. And I think that he's obviously very self-confident as well. He's very confident in his own knowledge and his own ability. And you mm. want a coach that's like that. You don't want someone mm. that's second-guessing themselves, you know, all the time. You want someone that believes in what they, they're they teaching, you know, because if you mm. don't have that, it's, it's why I always get annoyed when people call him arrogant. I think arrogance is a word that goes too far with mm. Arteta. I get why people say it, because mm. he's confident and he's dismissive and he's stubborn. But I think arrogance goes too far. I just think he's very self-confident in, in his own abilities. And I want a coach that's like that. The best players in the world have always got those traits, you know, of, of self-belief that they don't doubt themselves and what they're they're producing. So, yeah, I absolutely think, Daniel says in the chat, he's calculated. He is. He's very intelligent. He's a very, very intelligent, yeah, smart yeah. man. And... He may not make always the correct decisions, and that doesn't mean you know smart, clever people can make mistakes. You know, James has made plenty, uh, but you know when it comes to like Arteta, you that intelligence and that cleverness, I think, really has shone through during his early time with Arsenal. Yeah, 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 I agree. And when we hired him, and this is from four years ago, so my memory might be slightly off, but you know all the typical you know articles that came out about what he is behind the scenes that people that know him best and this mm. total football freak, like the amount he reads. I remember Pochettino saying long before Arteta was a manager that he believed he would become one yeah. um, because he just had this reputation in the game as a young up and coming coach that he was going to be sublime. Now, whether he becomes sublime, I think he's doing a fantastic job and I love what he's doing at the moment. I wouldn't trade him at the moment for you know, like Klopp and Pepper. The only, they're the two I see as the, sure. the, creme de la creme of managers right now i don't think i'd swap him for Klopp right now you know no well no i no that, that doesn't i think Klopp is better but i get yeah, yeah, you, but you know what i mean like, what i wouldn't we swap need and what we yeah. have in this group i, I get mm. what you mean whereas a little part of me thinks does pep take this current group add one or two players and basically just win it all like i don't probably, know maybe probably, not. yeah i yeah. just wonder yeah yeah he's just a freak himself but but with 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 arteta um you know he apparently was such a student of the game. Watch tape after tape after tape. I think he's learned so much. He is he has been a player under Moyes. He's been a player under Wenger. He's been a coach under Pep. He has had a real footballing education from Paris to Rangers to Everton to Arsenal. Like, and he he's pretty versed in like football in a lot of different ways. Mm. And I do wonder whether a little part of him, and I don't know if it's as conscious as this, but goes, yeah, I want this percentage of me to be Pep. But I want yeah. this percentage of me to be Jose. And I want this percentage of me to be Wenger. Mm. I, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's how he possibly thinks. Or he just thinks, I'm going to be me and I'm going to learn. And, mm. but, but I just wonder whether he looks at what Mourinho did great in all his title wins. Uh, so you're going to think I'm a lover of Mourinho. I'm not. But, you know, you've got to respect what he achieved. Yeah, and without I a doubt. Just, yeah. I wonder, that, or, or, or Simeone. Like, when he played yeah. Partey right back, he wanted to mention 
the best defensive manager in the world played him at right back. So mm. why is this weird to you? Like yeah. he wanted to use that reference. And when Arsenal were doing really well, it was Marie, sorry, doing really poorly. It was Mourinho. He said, they'll be back under Arteta. There's a respect there. So I don't know. I just, these things tick along in my brain and my time off. No, too. I think, I think you absolutely are hitting a lot of it. Right. I think that, um, I don't know if he sits there and thinks, right, oh, I'm going to be 20% Mourinho today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did a little job. laundry bin and go into the uh, the dressing room. No, I think, um, you know, I think a lot of Arteta's biggest critics have always called on Simeone as their, their, the guy they wanted to be Arsenal manager yeah. for whatever reason. I always thought that was a mistake because Simeone is, you know, he's 100% Simeone. He is what he is. He's, a, he's an enigma um, of, of a coach. And I think he's very set to Atletico Madrid. I think it's the perfect club, perfect environment for him. I don't think it translates not only to Arsenal, but I don't think it translates to the Premier League. But that is not taking away that Simeone has some fantastic coaching qualities. That if Arteta has some of those traits, great. Because I think the best parts of Simeone... Obviously, his industriousness, the tenaciousness, the resilience of his teams to never give up and never die. And Arteta has absolutely started to instill that into this Arsenal team of resilience and that. But I think also that I think Arteta has got the capacity to be smarter than Simeone and the ability to have his team be more changeable and adaptive to situations where Atletico always, for me, were very kind of a one-trick pony at times. And that's why they didn't go the extra mile to win the Champions League because you had a team like Real Madrid that had a better coach every time they played them and ended up finding ways to win. Where Atletico, if they didn't, if their way of winning didn't work, they didn't really have a plan B. Whereas I think Arteta's got a plan A, B, C, D, and that's what he wants. Is He wants to be changeable, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. I just don't think he always likes to use anything other than his plan A. <laughs> I think he's got them. Yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah. think he always likes to use them. I think, I think he... what he does is he's got like, so I don't like calling it plan A, B, C. Let's say he's got um, strategy A, B, C, D, right? So for Man City, he has a strategy and he sticks that strategy and it either works or it won't. For Brentford, he's got a strategy and he sticks to it. For Burnley, he's got a strategy. Sure. They're different. Their plans, yeah. their different plans, their different strategies. But what he needs to learn to be able to do is to have more changeability within games. That's what we need from him. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Atletico and Simeone always had just one plan for every game. <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. I, I always wondered why in games we needed goals, we didn't see Martinelli and Saka closer to goal. Like wh why we didn't see them tuck in more like a Liverpool front three than out wide like a Centurion's front three, if that makes sense. Like that, mm. that, that, those are little things that I've wondered sometimes. I've wondered why Smith Rowe can't come in on the left and tuck in and, and you get Zinni overlapping a little bit. Um, but I'm sure Arteta, no. But, but, you know, look, it's very easy to do the humble thing of, well, the manager knows best. But there are things that fans have called for that, you know, he was very resistant to for a while. Mm. And then actually he, he he does revert to it and suddenly you go, okay, I, I, I'll give you mine, the one I always use. And if I ever meet Mikel, I won't tell him, but if he asks, I'll tell him. <laughs> I'd, I'd bottle it. I've never understood Eddie getting the minutes up top over Trossard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, think you're, I think you're so spot on. Like, Never. I, I've really backed Eddie at times. Like, yeah. I've, and I've certainly used statistics to back the argument. But if anyone says, if you're starting a game and you don't have Jesus, who do you want starting up top, Trossard or Nketiah? It's Trossard every single time. Like yeah. Every single time. On the eye, it's better. The numbers seem to be better. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and 
it's just incredible. It's like he reinvented the way we look at our front three with Jesus dropping in, bringing the, the, the wingers into play. And yet when he loses that key cog, he doesn't go to the next best thing mm. until Eddie's injured. And then he starts two games of road trial. Yeah. So and guess what? Wins us the game against Burnley yeah. with yeah. his unbelievable set pieces and goal. You know, gets a goal to open the score against Sevilla. And you're going, come on. So so he can, of course he can get things wrong. Of course mm. he can. Um, but, you know, like, like he said, I, I don't, I think he's quite self-critical. Um, he might be, he might be stern. He's definitely stern. Mm. You'll know that more than me, but he's oh, yeah, you know. he's, yeah, he's he is intimidating. Like he's cold. Um, like in some ways, he's like he's not particularly likable as a character. Like he's not as as a rival coach, fans but, don't like him. We love. No, him. of course, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Like likable coaches, like Ange Postecoglou is a likable guy. Like he's a likable mm. coach. I don't think I'd want him as Arsenal coach because he's just too chaotic and too vulnerable with his philosophy. And he's, I think he's. I say Arteta's stubborn, but I think there's a stubborn element to Ange about what, you know, when he made that comment after the, I think the Chelsea defeat where he was like, we're going to play this way no matter what. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want that as my manager, you know, because yeah, you yeah, have to be able to recognize yeah. when things don't work and things go wrong yeah. and to change them. So I, I like Ange as a likable character and a great for a press conference, but I don't want him as my manager. Like I want Arteta mm. over, you know, Ange any day of the week. Um, on that Trossard point, by the way, like it was, it was so perfectly put because he started the game against Aston Villa, started the game against Leicester last season, Leicester um, away, started the game against uh, Everton, um, and we won all those games, right? Yeah, I think we had seven wins in a row with him in the team. I think it was. Yeah, well, he came off in the bench against Bournemouth. Uh, sorry, he came oh. off in the game against Bournemouth because he got injured in the first half. He played twenty-two yes, minutes right. and then came off. We won that three-two. He started the game against Fulham, got three assists. We won three-nil. He started the game against Crystal Palace, got an assist. We won 4-1. He started the game against Leeds. We won 4-1. He got an assist. He didn't start the game against Liverpool. We drew. He didn't start the game against West Ham and we drew. He didn't start the game against Southampton and we drew. He didn't start the game against City and we lost. And then he started the game against Chelsea and we won. <laughs> so, like, it's that's, that's, yeah, Trossard is just, yeah, he's just better. Like, um, and I'd rather he was starting when we have the option of starting him. Completely and utterly agree. Um, James, thank you so much, mate, for your time. I really appreciate no, it. We got slightly over, so I appreciate that. Um, great. Tell people great where they can find you and what you're going to be up to. No, thank, well, firstly, thank you for having me. I really genuinely appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been a while, so I, no, I've really, really enjoyed it. Thanks to the comment section, been fantastic. Some great name suggestions as well. I think Jack Wilshire and Shermack. No, was it Shermack? Shermack. Was, yeah, yeah Shermack. Some really some good ones in there. So <laughs> fair play to you all. That was good. Um, so I mean, I'm obviously on AFTV. Um, I do have a channel which is if you care about my thoughts on other football teams. Um, I, I like to be able to move away from the Arsenal stuff and, and talk about just other thoughts I've got. It's just the channel's just called James B. Um, so yeah, that's me. And like I said, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the chat. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, getting a lot of love in the chat box. So oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank everyone. you, everyone. I really appreciate it. Everyone that's listening. Uh, if you're listening on Catch Up as well, of course, leave your comments down below um, and you get our thoughts. I'll get as many responses as I can to you guys on anything we've discussed today. Uh, sorry about the end to the, the connection at the end. I know we're having some Wi-Fi issues at the end, but hopefully you can hear and relatively see me okay. Uh, but thank you yeah, to we'll everyone that's tuned in and listened. Uh, we will see you all, of course, tomorrow morning, bright and early, as always, at 8 a.m. Make sure you check out James's show on AFTV and his own channel, as he's mentioned, James B. You'll be able to find it without a problem. I'll leave a link to it, in fact, down in the description as well. So thank you to everyone for listening. I'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. 
it's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.